Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. This is our movie show where we bring you the latest movie and TV news. The Aquaman sequel gets a full title and the DC Super Pets reveals its main voice cast. Lord of the Rings is going animated. The Beauty and the Beast spin-off series is in the works. And a recent Gerard Butler film is getting a sequel. And Batman does not get takeaway. More on that later. (laughs) Yeah, no, without addressing that even the tiniest bit, let's just get to trailer talk. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, um, starting us off, we've got Masters of the Universe Revelation. So He-Man and Skeletor collide in the first epic Masters of the Universe Revelation trailer. Not only that, complete with a blood-bumping 80s soundtrack courtesy of Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero. Honestly, Kevin Smith attached to a sequel series to the 80s show. I was already on board. This trailer, I've watched more than, like, just over and over more than any recent trailer. Loving it. It it seems like at least with, and again, we're taking this as a, as a, a, a bit of marketing so you know Kevin Smith might not have even been involved in this aspect of it but it looks like they're embracing the 80s all of that the music the colors the craziness throw in the complete bonkers like this is almost almost full-on anime type style you know like fighting and going nuts so not quite but it's it's given enough vibes that it's so, surpassing that American animation to <laughs> yes, yes, yes. something else. It's pretty nuts, man. It's pretty nuts. And I've got to say, me and the family, we today, just today, we watched Shrek 2 and that, that song, Holding Up for a Hero by Giant Gingerbread Man. It works. That was daunting so well. to watch this trailer um, and not expecting that song to be on there <laughs> well let me say this sure. right? the use of that song which predates even Shrek 2 the pilot for Lois and Clark the new adventure Superman when Mark Kent is trying to put an outfit together and they have a montage of Dean Kane, Clark Kent trying on all these different costumes it's to Bonnie Tyler holding up for a hero I remember the montage I don't remember the song playing over it but cool cool so there we go. Three for three. Worked but in that this... pilot, worked in Shrek 2, <laughs> and works in this trailer. It's a good song. It's a good song. This looks pretty nuts. Like, yes. I, I got to admit, like, besides the Kevin Smith aspect of it, I wasn't, I'm not like, I, well, I wasn't super duper keen. Not like that I wasn't keen. I just was like, eh, you know, it's, it's what it is. Probably just coming off the, what I checked out of that She Ra show. Yeah, which is, is completely separate. This I did is the completely first, different. Yeah, I did the first episode of that. What's interesting about the Kevin Smith connection, because a lot of people are getting excited about him being associated and working so closely on this project. But what we're getting in this trailer and what we know of Master of the Universe in general, it is so far removed from anything you would associate Kevin Smith with from film and TV. I mean, yes, he's done comics, DC marvel but this show you couldn't compare it to anything else we've seen on screen from kevin smith before but honestly i'm here for it the way they're releasing it as well july is when they release 
part one, which is five half hour episodes. And then we need to wait how many months to get the final five. Uh-huh. That's how they're choosing to release it. Whether it's a scheduling thing, I don't know, but I'm here for it. I am really excited for watching the show. The trailer is just fantastic, epic. It really is. It's a, it's a good way of putting it. All right, the next two trailers we've got. Um, well, I was going to say they're both CW shows, but I guess they're not. No. Are so they? The first no. one, to Star Girl is the CW, and it's also, I believe, season two is going to be CW and HBO Max in the US, whereas Titan season three is now completely HBO Max. Season one and season two in the US was DC Universe, which is no longer film and TV. Now it's comics only. But here in Australia, both seasons of Titans were on Netflix. I'm assuming we'll continue with Netflix. But yeah, these aren't typical CW DC shows. There needs to be some sort of multi-dimensional event that consolidates all these streaming services I mean, and networks together. What do you mean <laughs> if the TV networks did some sort of crisis on Infinite Earth? So some sort kind of, of yeah. brought it all into one. I mean, some the sort kind of, of... crisis on Infinite Networks. <laughs> the ca- I mean, they are, they are a bit scattered. I mean, here in Australia, majority of CW shows, whether it be Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Superman and Lois, are available on Binge and Foxtel. And in the US, they're mainly on the CW, but if not there, you can catch them on HBO Max. But then a show like Superman and Lois starts on, on, sorry, starts on the CW, and then when the show went on, went on hiatus, they made the first five episodes available on HBO Max. So they're kind of all over the place. Oh, that's, that's great. Right, at the moment, we're supposed to be talking about. I'm trying to... Just one, to last point. About one last point. One last trailers. point. I'm trying to catch up on the Arrowverse stuff. Arrow on Netflix. Then I have to go over to the stand for, the, for Flash and then over to Binge for Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl. It's nuts, man. It's all too hard. But anyway, Stargirl. Hey, listen, before we do... You could just borrow my DVDs. It's a lot more convenient. Although you do have oh. to get up, change the disc. <laughs> so that's inconvenient, no, you know I guess. I've got them on Blu-ray. Oh, wow. Switching between go. the streamers <laughs> is actually easier than the discs. But <laughs> still. Anyway, Stargirl, season two. Bear in mind, I haven't watched season one, but... uh Give us your thoughts. I watched the trailer because I was like, oh, oh whatever. Season one is excellent. Like, if you're a fan with the JSA and you haven't watched Stargirl, definitely check that out. Of course, I'm talking about the Justice Society of America. Season two, really excited for it. And what we're getting here, our first look at Green Lantern's daughter, Jade, which is pretty cool. They've alluded to... Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern in season one. They've even, like, in the Arrowverse, like, it's been revealed John Diggle receives a Green Lantern ring. We've not seen where they're going to take that story. So they've not yet, on TV, given us a live-action Green Lantern. And it seems like this is where it's first going to happen. We're going to get a Green Lantern core TV show on HBO Max, but until then, 
the daughter of Green Lantern, wielding a Green Lantern ring on season two of Stargirl. I mean, I saw the lantern, or the green ring. It was the ring that we saw glowing, right? Or was that the lantern? It was the, it was the lantern. I'm not sure if they're going to do what they did in the comics. So you've got, and it's all different because the original Green Lantern had nothing to do with a Green Lantern core. So that was Hal Jordan in the Silver Age in the 60s. But originally, you had Alan Scott Green Lantern. And then years later, he had two kids. He had a son, Obsidian, who has the power over darkness. And then and he can use that as a weapon. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And he had his daughter, Jade. And she is like a living Green Lantern power source. So I'm not quite sure if she's going to need the lantern to use the powers or not. But either way, we're going to get a kind of Green Lantern in season two of Stargirl. All right. Season three of Titans, we get a bit of a tease for death in the family. So that little punk-ass Robin better better watch out, I guess. I mean, this is the famous storyline. Jason Todd Robin gets left for dead, beaten to death, or you think at the time, by the Joker. But he eventually comes back as Red Hood. And we get to see him in the trailer in the Red Hood alias. We get a shot of Dick Grayson as Nightwing. I loved those first two seasons of Titans, and it's been such a long time since those first two seasons. But we're finally... Going to get season three. I think the release date is August, but that's an ad for HBO Max. So I'm hoping that's the same for us on Netflix. Yeah, I remember the Netflix broadcast. Broadcast is that even the right? Probably not. Um, but when we eventually got them on Netflix, it was it was a fair wait. Oh, was it? I, I can't remember. It's yeah. been so honestly. It's been such a big gap between seasons. Yeah, that doesn't help either um but like you know looks different looks like you know they're delving into more gritty stuff so look forward to it all all right um yeah no no movie trailers this time around so a little bit different for us but let's talk movie news though we can always rely on that i'm not sure if you noticed but the flash movie has official social media accounts and what they're mainly doing they're reposting Instagram post by director Andy Muschietti. I'm sure okay. you've seen them. We talked about the first one that he posted last movie show, and it was a blooded Michael Keaton Batman symbol. Since then, he posted an Im- like an updated image of what the Flash logo looks like for the new Ezra Miller costume, and that's pretty cool in itself. But the thing to really get excited about we got to see the debut of Sasha Kelly, well, her Supergirl symbol for the first time. And we've seen Supergirl, the Helen Slater movie, mm-hmm. the Melissa Benoist Supergirl TV series. But what we're getting in this movie is very different. The big difference is that we've got the S, which is the Superman S shield from Henry Cavill's Man of Steel and all his... The difference, though, is that instead of around the shield being completely blue, above the S is red. 
and the people are starting to speculate could it be the like the 80s era version of the Cara Zor-El Supergirl costume back when she had a red headband for some reason it was the 80s I guess or <laughs> could it be that Sasha Kelly isn't actually playing Cara Zor-El at all she could really be playing Lara Kent. If you're unfamiliar with Lara Kent, you know that comic series, or the video game actually, Injustice by, well, it was the Mortal Kombat people, wasn't it? Or, yeah. Yeah. Or something like that, yeah. Something like that. Maybe that's not correct. Maybe they did. No, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, Injustice, video game. The whole story is that Lois is pregnant. Superman didn't realize he was fighting Lois because he was under some sort of manipulation by Joker and he murders Lois while pregnant with his unborn child. But then Tom Taylor did the comics and one of the story arcs, Superman, and now corrupted Superman, was visited by what would have been his unborn child, Lara Kent. And she is... Supergirl, and she's got short black hair, like we've seen the actress have in behind-the-scene pics leading up to this movie. So a lot of people are speculating that this is not another Cara Zor-El Supergirl. It's a different take on the character, which I would completely be on board with. I mean, we know that Supergirl is wrapping up its final season, but that character could still hang around. So it does make sense that for the big screen, they do something else. But again, this is all speculation. We don't know. But what we do know, whether it's Lara Kent or Cara Zorrell, they've made some changes to the costume. I guess we'll find out soon enough, eventually. With the Flash's logo, though, and I guess a little hint at the costume. I mean, this is still the Ezra Miller Flash um, that we're familiar with, but... I mean, his costume up until now has been sort of like like mechanical in, in look and design, you know, like, like an armour that he's wearing. Whereas this looks, what we're seeing now is more in line with, I guess, you know, the Superman costume and stuff yes. like that. You've got that, that fabric. So changing it up there, are you, are you more keen to see, I guess, what would be a more traditional Flash Oh, completely, completely, yeah. I was never on board with the design they used for Ezra Miller. And to be honest, the Joss Whedon cut of the movie, I didn't like Miller's take on the character. It wasn't until the Snyder cut, and that's as much as I'm going to say about that, because that's a, a rabbit hole we don't want to fall down. Oh, but I mean, about the we, can cut, that, yeah, the, we can say that the, the interpretation the, of Barry Allen the Flash the character's better. movie... <laughs> So much better. We still got that costume that I'm not a fan of. I mean, but then on the other hand, it it does look as though he's made it himself. But I guess what we're going to get in the Flash movie, whether it's Bruce Wayne or whoever, he's had some help with his suit, and just yeah. based on on the, the symbol and what we see of the chest, it's an improvement. So I'm I'm on board. And I guess the character himself could have had inspiration from you know, working alongside Superman and stuff like that. and But not not only that, like the crisis on Infinite Earth's crossover we mentioned earlier, Ezra <laughs> Miller is a part of the crossover and he meets Grant Gustin the Flash. Oh, so inspired by, inspired Man, by Barry I, Allen. 
himself. Who All knows? Right. Uh, who bloody oh, listen? Who? I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if Ezra Miller. Well, no, no, not Ezra Miller. He's going to pop up for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if Grant Gustin is in the movie at some point. If we're looking at Batman from different realities, maybe a different Supergirl, who's to say we don't get Grant Gustin, even if momentarily? Movies gone to TV, TV could go to movie. Who knows? I hate, I hate the multiverse so much. I just I hate it. Um, Aquaman 2. Director James Wan shared the title for the upcoming Aquaman sequel. Are you ready for this? Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Very nice. Set to be released December 16, 2022. Thoughts on the title? I love it. I absolutely love is, it. I would be more is... than happy for this to be the direction they take. Just like Indiana Jones before him, have the <laughs> character name and the whatever the movie is. I like it a lot. What is? I mean, I would assume that the Lost Kingdom would refer to Atlantis, but, I mean, we've seen Atlantis. Where it, it's not like now Aquaman is hanging around Atlantis. Like, he's been there. He, he knows of it. It's not like something new. So do you think it's referring to another Lost Kingdom? Yes, I do. Okay. Like cool. maybe, maybe <laughs> Atlantis that we were introduced to in that movie wasn't the original Atlantis. Who knows? Maybe it's Ooh. something else. Like they've migrated. Like the Asgardians. Like they went somewhere else. It could just else. be... Something else. I mean, you know, the ocean is a big place. It could be something else. But as a title, if they're looking at that as their approach and the blank, I really like it. It's a lot better than, I don't know, Aquaman 2. (laughs) Which would have worked, you know, tells you exactly what you need to know. It's the second one. But I like this as an approach with the title. Aquaman, Fury of the Fish. The Revenge of Ocean Master. Ooh, Apparently, um, Patrick Wilson's back as well. That'd be cool. But I didn't know if that was announced previously. And the Revenge of Ocean Master. You've got to <laughs> stick with it. Just like Indy did. You've got to stick with it. Okay, so more, next... more in line with Indy, not Star Wars. So it can't be... Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I'm trying to move us along. You, you're pulling me back. <laughs> <laughs> We've done this story. Oh, the next one, actually. It's very brief. We don't have to spend too much time. It's mainly me just saying things. James Gunn has confirmed that the Suicide Squad has a runtime of two hours, 12 minutes. Just putting it out there. It's in relation to things that we talk about on the podcast. It's a quick... Is it a slow news fortnight? No, because we've got a lot of things to get to. But I thought the look of that movie, which looks excellent, you could tell you could do that movie in under two hours. I'm happy for it to be longer, but I was generally quite surprised by by the runtime. But there we go. If it was if it was like two and a half hours or something like I'd, I'd you know on the more epic grand scale, I'd, I'd, then I'd be like really surprised. It is a little bit on the longer end, but not majorly long. It's still a big blockbuster movie. You're but the I think one because of the that's comedy spending. Element, more time on this story on. than we need to. Moving on. Let's talk about Got the news out there. About the damn animals. The upcoming animated film, DC League of Super Pets, reveals its all star voice cast. All right, buckle in. We've already, we already know about Dwayne the Dog Johnson. 
Um, that sounds rude. I'm going to take that back. <laughs> we already know about Dwayne we Johnson. We can't because we named our last movie show that. We can't. We did. We did. But when I say it like that, when I, when I say it out loud, it sounds rude. We've also got Kevin Hart, Kate McKinnon, John Krasinski, Vanessa Bayer, Natasha Leon, Diego Luna, and Keanu Reeves. I mean, yes. What I mean, a great good names. Cast. So what a great names. cast. And having Keanu Reeves on the end there. Well, what I really like about this movie. And we've got a teaser where we see what crypto is going to look like in the movie. But the big appeal for me is like, whenever they get Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart together, it's, it's a hit. And it's really enjoyable. <laughs> Whether it be Jumanji or a film I watched again recently, Central Intelligence, they are so good together. Or even Hobbs and Shaw. You get them together there momentarily. But yeah, what's sure, happening yeah. in this film You've got Dwayne Johnson voicing Crypto, the super dog, but voicing Ace, the bat hound, is Kevin Hart. I don't know who the other actors are voicing yet, but it's essentially K9, Superman, Batman, voiced by Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart. I am there for it. <laughs> no, it's going to be. It sounds be brilliant. Look, this is, a, this is a good list of, of names. Um, I think they could provide some fun voices and stuff like that. There, it looks like this is going to shape out to be a pretty, pretty epic, funny little little flick. And I, you know, what I'm going to put it out there right now. I'm going to guarantee it. at some point, crypto is going to do something heroic, save the day, save someone. Someone's going to go to crypto and say they're going to say thank you in some way or another. Right. And crypto is going to say mm-hmm. you're welcome. Yeah, I mean, of course. They're going to do it. I mean, They're going to do it. They're gonna, yeah. I guarantee it. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know, I'll give you five bucks or something if it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, no, I, I reckon. And it might even sing it. Who knows? We'll just have to wait. <laughs> wait and see. Okay. <laughs> the next news story. Another quick buy, actually. This is nice. This is going to move things along. Bill Skarsgård is joining Keanu Reeves in John Wick Chapter 2. There you go. Nice bit of Chapter casting. four, rather. Chapter four. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm way behind. In fact, I'm not. Just <laughs> but yeah, chapter four. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, pref- I, pref- I prepared a, a four-page essay on this story to uh, give you some fit. No, I've got nothing. That's great. That's good. Cool. Good addition. I'll move on. I'll move they on. don't all need to be long stories. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Code eight, part Two, Netflix lands the worldwide rights to the Code 8 sequel with Robbie and Stephen Amell reprising their roles from the original sci-fi crime thriller. Do you know what? I never actually ended up watching this first one. I think when it came out, I was gonna. Mm. And then I kind of just forgot about it. Yeah. And I moved on with my life. I, I, never went back. I think it's still on Netflix. I'm pretty sure that's where I watched it. Well, it was a it was a Netflix original, was it? No, it wasn't. No, no, it was a, a crowdfunded movie. And can you remember years ago, Stephen Amell was at Supernova here in Perth, and then I think it was the like one of the nights leading up to they the big weekend. They it, did yeah. they did the like a little Perth premiere, and it was like a crowdfunding event. But it was a little bit after that. But yes, I did see that first movie and, you know, it's pretty decent. It is pretty decent and good for them that Netflix are going to pick up a sequel and it's going to get, you know, worldwide release. You know, probably prompt me to go back and rewatch that first one. 
But you know, for what it is, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. Like you know, it's pretty ambitious. They didn't quite have. It's not a review, by the way. It's pretty ambitious. They didn't quite <laughs> have the the budget for everything that they wanted to say. But it's you know, it's there. It's decent. It's worth a watch. And it's still on Netflix. I just did a quick check. Oh, there we go. Nice still plug for you guys. <laughs> Moving on then. Toxic Avenger. Remember that? The trauma movie from back in the day. And there was an animated scene. I've never, well. the never, toxic never saw it, but I know, I, know of, I, know you're to- I know of the Toxic Avengers. And uh, For me, yeah. it wasn't the film. It was the animated series. I had the toys. Like, I, was, I was all in. Yeah. I was a big fan. But the toys were filthy, series. though. Like, they were oh, just like just, the show, I guess, yeah, just like gross. the movie was. It was trauma. Like, you know, classic trauma. The news, though, Kevin Bacon will star in the reboot as the villain alongside Peter Dinklage, who is playing the down-on-his-luck caretaker who becomes Toxie, the Toxic Avenger. So there we go. The superhero of this film, Peter Dinklage, and the bad guy, Kevin Bacon. That's the news. Bit of casting news. Fantastic. Great, fantastic, awesome. Um, a sequel to the animated film Mortal Kombat Legends, um, Scorpion's Revenge, has been announced with both jo- Joel McHale sorry, and Jennifer Carpenter reprising their voice roles. It will be Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms. Ooh, I Battle like of it. the Realms, mate. The realms are battling. You know, so I, have you seen it? Scorpion's Revenge. Uh, no, but you, you told me, was this the one you said was, this was a lot like that, that first Mortal Kombat movie? It is. And when we did our review of the new Mortal Kombat movie, I was thinking it was going to be that same story again. Raiden, Sonya Blade, Liu Kang. The tournament. Yeah, that new movie didn't yeah. end up being that. That's a minor spoiler if you've not seen it. But check it out. It's a good movie for the most part. Scorpion's Revenge, though. It pretty much is that same story, only we've added Scorpion. And not just added as in his innings, he's always been in it, but there's a lot more focus on him. But essentially, everything around him is that 95 movie storyline. So Do you think cool. Battle of the Realms will be like Annihilation? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this about Scorpion's Revenge. The most violent Mortal Kombat film I've seen. And that's including the new movie, the new live action film. It is insanely over the top gory. It's pretty cool that they've got Joel McHale as Johnny Cage. Jennifer Carpenter, she's voicing Sonya Blade. I thought that, you know, it was okay. What are they doing in the sequel? I'll um I'll check it out. And I'm I'm assuming that the level of gore is gonna be on par with that first film. On this next story, this is going to be an interesting one. I was kind of hoping you were going to get it because I can't actually pronounce the title of this movie. I've not tried, just looking at the name. I'm kind of figuring I can't, but I'll give it a go. Of course, I'm talking about Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you thought I would. No, I kind of hoped you would. I... Okay. Anyway, Should we say it? Hey, listen, Roheim. I think okay. Roheim you know sounds Lord of that the Rings. That does sound right. And I recently rewatched the Peter Jackson movies. 
what you've just said, Rohine, it doesn't just sound like that's what it is. That is what it is. Let me do it again. <laughs> this is all in. I'm not going to edit this out. This is all in. Lord of the Rings, <laughs> The War of the Rohine. It's a Lord of the Rings anime movie in the works at New Line and Warner Brothers. The War of the Rohine will tell an untold story of Helm's Deep and the King of Rohan, Helm Hammerhead. Big news for fans of Lord of the Rings. It's the same yeah, studios that made those Peter Jackson movies. Anytime we, we, you know, we, we hear of like a project like this being announced and it's, it's going to be animated, not just animated, but also like it's going to be an anime movie. So like in a Japanese style, it, I just always ask why, like, why don't they just make this movie if they wanted to make this movie? Why not do a, why not just make a new, like maybe do New Line still have the rights? To do a live-action Lord of the Rings, maybe I mean, that's the issue. Well, 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 Amazon are making a live-action TV series. Right. This is completely separate. So it sounds like, you know, with this being New Line, Warner Brothers, you'd think it's almost a companion to those Jackson movies, although his name's mm. not attached anywhere. And what they're doing over at Amazon is something completely separate. But surely, like, they could, couldn't they just go to... Let's say they do have the right still to do a live action movie, whatever. Go to New Zealand, get some people in costumes, just make the movie, even if it's not up there on that budget of, you know, the Peter Jackson movie. So it could be a case of maybe New Line, Warner Brothers have animation rights. Maybe they no longer have live action rights. And this is. So they're still going to milk it however they can, and maybe that's why they're doing it this way. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, a Beauty and the Beast series in the works at Disney Plus with Luke Evans and Josh Gad returning um, and Brianna Middleton joining the cast. So you'll know these actors, obviously, from that live-action Beauty and the Beast uh, film. So the series will follow Gaston and LeFou as they set off with LeFou's stepsister Tilly after a surprising revelation from her past comes to light. Who knows who knows what that is? So this <laughs> is something that's been talked about for quite a while and that's officially happening. Did you did you have you watched the live action Beauty and the Beast? I have. And you know what? I thought it was alright. Not as good as the cartoon. It was okay. I think, yeah, I, I come out of that. I liked what they did. A lot of it was very samey. Additional scenes seemed to be pointless. The same movie, but, you know, just not as good, is what I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty but this much. is different. But I mean, and I did like Gaston Luke and Evans who was, as Gaston. Yeah, they were, they were pretty good in that. So would you watch a live action show? I'd watch it with my kids. I wouldn't sit there by myself and watch it. But, you know, we we watched that Emma Watson movie together. So if they were to want to see this, that's the only way that I'd watch it. Fair enough. Well, okay then. SWAT <laughs> and Criminal Mind star Shima Moore is the latest addition to the cast of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in an undisclosed role. I'm going to speculate right here. I know nothing for sure, but I'm going to speculate. I've come prepared. So obviously that Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has, they finished filming, right? Yep. So 
my guess is that he's not going to be playing a human character. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he's going to be a voice. Right. I'm guessing it's not Knuckles or Tails. Ooh, I was thinking because Knuckles. I'm guessing because they've already, I don't know, they've already done stuff. I figured they have their core characters already cast voices already probably recorded and they're you know they're mixing and doing Sometimes all the bits and pieces voices don't work out I, I reckon you know how we got tails as a post credit character in that first movie I reckon we're gonna get Shadow the Hedgehog. Ooh if you're familiar or unfamiliar. Yeah. I reckon yeah. Shima more Shadow the Hedgehog. Ah oh. I mean if that's the case, this is a very small news story. <laughs> If we're talking about potentially <laughs> a post-credit scene featuring Shadow at the end of the movie, right? If this means we get Shadow the Hedgehog in this in a third Sonic the Hedgehog movie, like, um, I mean, that's cool. So but... keen, yeah. But anyway, that's my guess. That's my speculation. Just so we can listen back in uh, a year's time when it announced that that's who he is. When is this movie out? Do we know? Is it this year? Can't be. Can't be this year, surely. I mean, Sonic was last year, wasn't it? There's going to be at least two years between movies. No, nah, it was. Was it last year? Yes. It was early last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. just before everything shut down. Yeah, uh, it must it be last next year. year then. Must be next year. Okay, cool. <sighs> Father of the Bride. Here we go. What's our latest update? SNL star Chloe Fineman will make her film debut in Andy Garcia's Father of the Bride remake. She has been cast as a wedding planner. God damn it, man. A part played by her fellow SNL alum, Martin Short, in the 1991 version. Okay. So not just, just, um... not just our wedding planner, but, but the wedding planner, yeah, like the like Martin the, Short you know, character. The Martin okay. Short character. That's, That's interesting. a big character. That is a big character. SNL connection. Yeah, I mean, he came back for um, part two of the Steve Martin films. If you're listening, on Disney you're Plus. not quite yeah, sure no, why yeah. Jason sounds <laughs> frustrated. It's because I keep adding Father of the Bride news stories each time we do a movie show. Knives Out 2, that's also one that we seem to talk about quite a lot. The movie has added Jessica Henwick to the cast of the upcoming Netflix sequel. She joined Daniel Craig, Dave Bautista, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn. Leslie Odom Jr., Kate Hudson, Madeline Klein, and Ed Norton. Wow. What a cast. I'm there for this movie. They just keep adding, and that's all we can do is sit back, look at the talent stacking up. Yeah, and Jessica Much Henwick. like that first movie there. Henwick from Iron Fist. Not great, but she was the, one of the best things about that series. And she's also going to be in Matrix 4. And now Knives Out 2. Pretty cool. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, Gerard Butler and Marina Baccarin are set to return for the sequel to the 2020 disaster movie Greenland. So this will be Greenland Migration. You watched that first movie, didn't you? you I did. Greenland. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was um, pretty good. I was quite surprised. I'd, I'd been staying away from trailers. And when I first heard about the movie, I thought it was just going to be Jerry Butler punching asteroids. And it ended up being something <laughs> very different. 
Although they already had one of those movies. Hyper realized, <laughs> but it was quite grounded compared to what I thought we were going to get from from a movie starring him. I thought it was pretty oh, I good. I quite it was a it was a pretty stressful movie. I thought. Yeah, I was going to say I quite enjoyed it, but you're right. Stressful, <laughs> a very stressful. very stressful film. Um, yeah, and they're making another one. I'm quite surprised by that. If I'm honest. I, it, it, it's very strange to have like a you know an apocalyptic type disaster film get a sequel. Yeah, and here in Australia, it it was released as a Amazon Prime original. So I guess that's where we will get the sequel. Also, I know you're familiar with the Adams family, and we did a review of the recent animated reboot not too long ago. The Monsters. Are you familiar with them? Well, yeah, they're like the Adams family. Exactly. Different. Always <laughs> like the Adams family. They're never yeah. quite number one, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Well, Rob Zombie, as officially mm. confirmed, his next film will be a modern adaption of The Monsters. Wow. I think it's going to be mental. It's going to be dark, <laughs> gothic. So, yeah, wait and see. This is not going to be a colourful CGI animated Adam's Family. This is going to be I mean, I'm guessing, you know, with Rob Zombie attached, it's going to be quite dark. If you think back to his remake of Halloween all those years ago, it's going to be I'm just interesting. Like, the concept of this scares me a little bit. And it's like, what, like what, what will he keep? Will it still be a family trying to live oh, oh, in yeah, the sorry, suburbs? I, I thought you were going to say, would it still be family friendly? But yeah, it'll still be a family. <laughs> but... But all the Rob Zombieisms of it, so it's all like it's, it's going to be. It's gonna They're be all twisted dark. and sick. It's like House of a, House thousand, of a thousand Corpses, yes. but meets the monsters. <laughs> but instead of being some like in some backwards town, you know, it's sort of hidden away. You only come across it if you go to the you know the, the fun fun house gift shop thing. It's going to be in the middle of suburbia. Scary, scary Did stuff, you- man. Did you see that um, the pilot that they put out, I think it was Brian Fuller, and it wasn't called The Monsters. It was the name, I can't remember, but it was was their address. That was the name of the show. And as Herman Munster, they had Jerry O'Connell. I did see it years ago. It was an unsuccessful pilot. That was more family-friendly, whereas (laughs) I think this is going to be something completely different. All right, well, that's it for the movie news. Let's get into the TV news. We've got to start with Harley Quinn, haven't we? We kind of alluded to it in the opening. So let's just get into it here. DC asked the Harley Quinn team to remove a scene in season three of Harley Quinn where Batman goes down on Catwoman because heroes don't do that. And what I'll say, we don't normally do that on the podcast. We don't normally talk about things like this, but it's very much in line with the types of things we talk about, all things superheroes. What's interesting, Zack Snyder weighed in on the Batman Catwoman sex debate with a not safe with a not safe for work drawing. I sent that to you so you could have a look. Give you a bit of context what we're talking about on the podcast. <laughs> and in that image, we don't know where it came from, but it very much is an image of 
Batman going down on Catwoman, which is something that DC have said he doesn't do. Their argument is that, hey, we want to sell Batman toys. We can't do that if he's going down on Catwoman, which is just <laughs> bonkers because even though it's never like called out, let's, let's stop talking about Batman for a moment and let's talk about Playboy millionaire Bruce Wayne. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's is he bizarre. a selfish lover? According to DC, <laughs> well, according to yes, DC, he is. He is. Yes, so he it is. is. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. Like it really is a bizarre news story. But of course, it was definitely worth talking about here on the podcast. I mean, it's definitely something that's just been spun out of control. Like it's it's literally just like a branding thing, being like, look, we're just not going to have that as a visual. We're not going to show it. Don't include it in the thing yeah. for branding. But the thing, it's the thing you know? is, like, so what's happened now? Like, so since that news broke, and and interestingly, right, so it wasn't necessarily just Harley Quinn. It was like HBO Max and their content, and a lot of the creatives were being interviewed. And this story we're talking about now was just something that was just thrown out there. It wasn't supposed to draw as much attention as it has. I mean, there is a change.org petition at time of recording it's at 300 plus signatures the name of the petition is let the bat eat the cat i mean this thing has really <laughs> taken off and that image that snyder shared online he wrote one word to accompany it and it was canon that was it thank <laughs> you bastard <laughs> just, oh but wow i mean so, yeah i mean uh, just take a look at the Batman costume for a second. Like, you know, especially his cow. The fact is the only access point he's got is around his mouth. It's like... <laughs> That's a good point. And then, and then you look at his horns. Perfect. For, it's like you could hold them. You, I was just going uh, to say, <laughs> to hold on to. Wow. I mean, the, dark night, the dark night descends. He should. It's the right thing. That's what heroes... That's what true heroes do. Yeah, don't be selfish. So there we go. That's um, <laughs> So anyway, that's some news on the Harley Quinn animated TV series <laughs> behind the scenes. It might have been our best story we've ever discussed, I think. I mean, Maybe. certainly the first time we've talked about anything like that on the podcast, but it just had to be done. This might also be our last movie show ever. <laughs> DC <laughs> has shut us down. <laughs> All right, Batwing is suiting up on Batwoman. We've got our first look at Cameron Johnson in the costume. A perfect thing to bring up on this audio medium podcast. Most people would have seen it. If you haven't and you're familiar with Batwing from the comics, they've nailed it. That is the costume we're going to get in live action. Looks excellent. And what's worth noting about this poster that the CW have put out there, it's a good poster. The last time we talked about a DC TV CW poster, it was an image of the uh, (laughs) impulse kind of running, but not really. Are you saying this one looks good just because it's better than that one? (laughs) No, this one looked good anyway. But what I'm saying is that maybe it was a different art department. What I'm saying is that (laughs) the people at CW, they can put out a good poster. But this costume looks great. Now, listen, I'm a couple of episodes behind on 
Batwoman, but only two. I'm about to watch the episode John Diggle appears, so I'm pretty keen to see that. But the one before, like the the actual story and the reason why we're getting Batwing and how it comes about and the the real life problems in America that they're facing with the police, Black Lives Matter, like they're doing a very good way of putting that into the show because like you're a lot of the main cast are actually African Americans, so they're doing a, an interesting thing with the story there. So what? Luke Fox, who will later become Batwing, is going through. It's you know it's captivating TV. So they're doing good things with the story and the characters there. And then the payoff is going to be we're going to get to see the Batwing costume, which is going to be pretty cool. We've had another first look at a costume. This one was Jensen Ackles' Soldier Boy in The Boys season three. I get your point. It's probably not the (laughs) best place in audio medium to talk about images and posters. But again, I'm confident that people listening to this have actually seen the things that we're talking about already. But if not, I mean, it looks like a soldier. Well, if you think soldier boy, like the whole point of his character, that through the prism of the boys comic and TV show, he is Captain America. That's Mm. his character. Only he's in green, similar to Stephen Amell's arrow. And he was praising uh, Ackles on the look of his costume online, which was pretty cool. But that's it. So they've adapted it differently to what we got in the comic. That was very much more in line with Captain America visually. But this is pretty cool. And just having, and we should say as well, so Jensen Ackles, we're going to get him in live action, Soldier Boy on the boys. But in animation, he's Batman in the long Halloween animated film. It's a good time for him. It's a good time to be Ackles, eh? Good stuff. Uh, Jamila Jamil where, or has been cast as uh, Titania in Marvel's She-Hulk series. Familiar with her from such a... The Good Place. The Good Place. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Absolutely. That's... But you know what? <laughs> if it's only The Good Place, it works. She, was she did excellent. good. She did good. She, she did, did very that. good in The Good Place. Yeah, she was excellent in that show. And she's very tall. She's tall. She's attractive. Tick, tick. That's the character. This character is, is a villain. Yes. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, she's almost like, like an Amazon. So she's like a, a Wonder Woman type character, but she's a villain. So she's, she's big, she's tall, she's strong, and... Yeah, I think this is great casting. I mean, like you, I've not seen her outside of The Good Place. Um, But, you know, these Marvel Studios TV shows can be a bit cheeky and light at times. You know, we're currently, you know, watching Loki. I think they could do some interesting things with her. But visually, like, she's got the look. Velma. Have you heard of this one? We're talking Scooby-Doo again. I feel like we talked Scooby-Doo a fair amount I think, on the podcast. Did recently. we have we mentioned this before? This show? I think we have, like, but this was a while ago. So since we okay. first mentioned it, like the, the new bit of news, it's casting. Mindy Kaling will be voicing Velma. The interesting thing that people are noting online is that the character will be portrayed. Is East Asian descent. 
And this is going to be a show going to HBO Max. It won't actually feature Scooby-Doo or even The Mystery Machine. It's an animated show meant for adults and not children. So it's a Scooby-Doo animated series, an origin series for Velma. Apparently, there's going to be variations of Fred, Daphne, and Shaggy, but no Scooby-Doo, no Mystery Machine. So that was the main bit of news, but everybody got caught up on the facts that we're going to get a Velma of East Asian descent. It was quickly pointed out to people that, you know, actresses of different backgrounds, whether it be animation or live action, have portrayed this character in the past. But I think it's the fact that they maybe weren't familiar with those actresses, whereas Mindy Kaling, everybody knows her from, I don't know, The Office and, you know, whatever else she's done. But people know that actress, so they got hung up on that. For me, the thing I'm getting hung up on is the fact that it's a Scooby-Doo prequel show where there's no Scooby-Doo. That's pretty much where I'm at with it. I'm, I'm like, what's the point? Like, what is this? No idea. Like, so it's just I mean, gonna be. It's just gonna be a girl sleuthing and solving mysteries. But like, again, I it guess, sounds like that. she's gonna meet the other members of Mystery Inc. Only they're not gonna be Mystery Inc. There's no van, and there's no talking Great Dane. I've got no idea what this is supposed to be, but it's HBO <laughs> Max. It's not intended for kids. They're going to still continue to make kids' animated Scooby-Doo movies and TV series with a Caucasian Velma. So everybody, just calm down. This is just one show they're making where Mindy Kaling will voice the character. At least, at least it should be it should be better than that. What was it called? Daphne and Velma. That one where that's like a prequel. They're in high school. Oh mate, that looks awful. All I've seen of that is the DVD cover. They've got it in the That's local enough. library. It looks... Shocking. Didn't you watch the trailer? I watched the trailer. No, I that didn't. No, I, I didn't. I, I just... <sighs> nothing... I found nothing appealing about it. If I'm honest, I was, though, I was I curious. More, I was curious in, enough to watch the trailer. I'm more intrigued by this show than I was <laughs> that movie. <laughs> All right. Um, a TED TV series is in the works at Peacock TV. Uh, Seth MacFarlane um, is in negotiations to reprise his role as Ted. Um, I heard apparently this will be uh, like a prequel to um, the the movies. So ah, it'll, it'll right. be when, when Ted and Mark Wahlberg's character, when he was still a kid, so it'll be back in the early days. So they'll oh, probably have someone cast as a younger okay. version of of Mark Wahlberg. Okay, so that would actually... That's yeah, how they that, get around... That that's how they get around work. bringing him back, you, bringing Mila Kunis back, right. or whatever. You'd get the origin of the Thunder Buddies. That actually sounds okay. But I was like thinking, well, that's good that you're getting McFarlane back. But those two movies, Mark Wahlberg, for me, was so integral to those films. Like He brought so much to it. The idea of doing it without him, but yeah, if it's a prequel and it's Warburg's character, his character. Kid, yeah, that absolutely works. Wow, I didn't know that. Like, you've absolutely turned me around. I liked, I liked that first movie. The second one was pretty, pretty garbage. Okay, maybe I, I, they could, maybe, yeah. maybe they could do good with the um, with the TV show. I need to go back. I I've watched them both once, enjoyed them. 
for what they were. But you're right. I think that first one obviously is the better, better movie. We've got some casting news for the MacGruber TV series. This is a TV series of the what started off as an SNL sketch, but then was the movie Will Forte, Val Kilmer. He had the villain alias of Van Kumpf. Not sure if you've seen the movie or not, but it's hilarious. <laughs> the movie. But the additions to the TV show, we have Sam Elliott, Lawrence Fishburne, and Mickey Rourke. And just like Ted, this will be a Peacock original TV series. All right. So you're obviously really excited about this, yeah? Is that oh, where, mate, where that film is so funny. And then, I mean, the film's one joke, really. It's a spoof of MacGyver. Well, they do it so well. They do it so well. They did. And anything can be anything can be good, even even just the idea of a of satiring MacGyver. The good stuff. All right, um, a Resident Evil live action series is coming to Netflix, um, and we've also got a cast as well. It will include Lance Reddick, Ella Balinska, Tamara Smart, Sienna Agudong, um, Adeline Rudolph, and Paolo Nunez. So the, the series of films, the live action Resident Evil films, and we had some animated films as well, which were, you know, some of them were kind of decent. I enjoy in a really, in a really bad kind of sucky way, <laughs> live action films. Like they're, they're terrible, but yeah, I get a, like a guilty enjoyment out of them. A new take with a, as a live action series. I mean, I'm interested just to, just because it's going to be a new take. Start fresh. It out. It's on Netflix. Those movies with Mila Djokovic, like from memory, I'd like to go back and watch that first one again. I don't think I could watch all of them again. And I have seen them all. And yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty far removed from, from them now, but I do think that first <laughs> one will be worth a rewatch. But what we're getting here is something very different on Netflix. We're getting this new live action series but also from Netflix, before we get this show, is the anime series. We're very close to getting that. So I'll probably check that out as well. I've played the games, watched the movies. I'll, I'll check out the show. All righty. Um, that's it for TV news. Got some recommends for you. What have you got? Honestly, I had Batman on the brain. You know, we, we've talked about Harley Quinn season three already. And I'd been meaning to get to it. It came out fairly recently. Batman Earth One, Volume Three. Written by Jeff Johns, art by Gary Frank. A creative team that I'm a big fan of anyway. And I had enjoyed those first two volumes. The original was released in July 2012. And Volume Two came out three years later. And we've just recently got... Volume 3. As with the previous two books, Batman Earth 1 Volume 3 is set in an alternative new reader-friendly DCU where Bruce Wayne is still a rookie hero. The sequel explores the ongoing fallout of two major changes to traditional Batman mythology. Bruce's Arkham family heritage and the rise of a very different Two-Face. I love this. I had so much fun 
with it. So again, it's an alternative take on the character. And I think, and I guess it's what was intended with these original graphic novels. They're not necessarily just looking at the, like the monthly comic readers. They want to reach a wider audience. So what I'd say, if you're waiting for the Batman with Robert Pattinson or you enjoyed the Chris Nolan Batman films, you don't necessarily read comics. This is probably a good place to go. Like just check out the Earth One lines. They've covered so far Superman, Batman, Teen Titans, Wonder Woman, and hopefully we're going to get a volume four of Batman Earth One. Well, they are excellent. I, I sat down and read it in one sitting and really enjoyed it. And again, it's even if you're an avid reader of Batman comics, there's enough differences that you're not just reading those same old stories again. I mean, I, this is not a massive spoiler, but I'll, I'll just throw this out there. So you've got, and we're talking volume three, Batman, Alfred, they're looking for a base of operations. Not necessarily under Wayne Manor, just in case the police raid it and find the Batcave. So they're looking at a different location. And to assist them, they've gotten to misunderstood, sometimes criminal killer croc working with Batman. So there's honestly, there's differences in there. And everything that happens, you know, you've got Jeff Johns writing this, Gary Frank on art, big fan of his. And there's enough differences that it works as an original take, but at its core, it's still Batman. It's a lot of fun. So check it out, Batman Earth One, Volume 3. Alrighty, so just on your, um, to piggyback off your little, of your comic book there, not to, not to take any credit away from it. Um, I'm recommending a, let's call it a drama slash horror series on Amazon Prime. Um, I got to warn you that even though I'm recommending it, I'm throwing in a big warning for this show though. It's not for the faint hearted. It legit is pretty full on both thematically, visually. It's, it's definitely an adult show. There's some intense stuff in this show, but it's really well done. You got to put your mature hat on when watching it because it gets pretty intense. I'm talking about the, the series them. It's called Them on Amazon Prime. Basically, I'll give you the gist of what it's about. So it's set in like, uh, some, I think it's the 50s. Sometimes you're in the 50s um, and an African-American family moves from I think, South Carolina they live in, in um, to California um, in, on the east side of Compton. They move to the suburbs, um, which is primarily a white-only community um, and shit kind of hits the fan from there. They're antagonized by their neighbors. Um, and that's where a lot of the horror stuff sort of comes into play. But just for good measure, because all of that's all very intense and horrific and all of, all of that kind of good stuff. Um, but there's a big supernatural element to the show as well. So there's like, there's ghosts or are they demons? Who knows? There's things happening. They're seeing things and people and are they going crazy it's pretty full-on and again there are some scenes in this show that are quite intense so i throw that in as a warning as well but very good show 10 episodes 
for this uh, first season. Oh, and I should mention it's planned to be like an anthology type series. So you can just watch this first season and be done, or you can move on when they eventually do a second season and move on to, it'll be something else, but very good, very good show. I've not watched it, but I've seen it on Amazon. So it's them. Not them. To confused with us. I no. But if you think in if, the vein of something like us or Get Out, it's all that's where my mind went to us. Yeah, them. Primarily, but this is a African American cast, supernatural elements. But yeah, not connected. This is a this is an R rated and as an Australian R eighteen plus show. It it warrants that rating it's pretty there there was like a scene where like i have to turn to the wife and say are we cool to continue or do we oh, need wow. to stop because yeah. it's yeah and if you watch the show halfway through the season you'll know what i'm talking about <laughs> honestly you seem to do this to me on a regular basis like i'll go first with my recommend i'll talk about something for the funny yeah. and then you'll talk about something grown up <laughs> but then sometimes you'll you know you'll do the same thing. You'll you'll present something, you know, quite mature and adult, and then I'll be like, "Hey, here's this Lego cartoon." I'm talking about. <laughs> it's all good. Hey, they're all valid recommends. It's all yeah. We've got to mix it up. We've got to mix it up. All right. Um, we'll finish up with a bit of trivia, and I figured I'm going to tackle I'm going to tackle the monsters because how often do they come up? And you mentioned when you're talking about them, you you know, you referred to the Adams family as always being always being number one, but I've got this for you. So when, when the Munsters and the Adams family both debuted in 1964, they actually debuted within a week of each other in September of 1964. All right. So you're familiar with the Nielsen ratings, you know, like the yep. that thing that these have in households to, to rank. Well, they still do it. Now. Out. Do they? It's probably all starting to change. Haven't they? Yeah, okay, cool, 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 cool. cool. It's all hard right. to keep track of who's watching what because everyone's streaming. But yeah, no, it still happens. All right. Well, at the end of the years uh, of the 1964 TV season, um, the Monsters show ranked number eight, 18 in the Nielsen's with a rating of 24.7, while the Adams Family came in at number 23 with a 23.9 rating. So their rating was slightly higher. The Adams family, I mean, but the monsters ranked uh, a few not a few notches above. So at the time, Nielsen's indicated what percentage of American TV household tuned into any given program. Um, and by the end of the following year, both series were cancelled. I just wanted to throw that out there. And if you want something extra because that wasn't good enough, how about I tell you that the that the house that they appeared in would later appear in Desperate Housewives. Mm, that's always fun. That is cool. Yeah, yeah both both um, bits of trivia were interesting. Because yeah, yeah, I mean I guess my assumption and maybe a lot of people's would be as well is that the Adams family was the more popular and, and I guess I guess I guess over time and on. in like in mainstream media and everyone's like uh, yeah the Adams family and I, I guess because they went on to other mediums animated things the theatrical films i don't know video games toys and stuff you know like they branched yeah. out where i guess the monsters stayed extreme yeah all right cool that could change with this is rob zombie show i don't but- <laughs> think that happened but hey 
Who knows? I'll, I'll be watching it either way. All right, that's it for our movie show. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Start Films Due Podcast. And all our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmsdewpodcast.com. If you missed it, Rewind and Review took us back to 1981 to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Sounds Like Comics discussed Star Wars, the Clone Wars, or the final season of it. Stay tuned for our upcoming review of Luca. You've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from that film studio. We'll see you soon. 